we're here today because of the blessing of the birth of a baby boy. Now, obviously, our family was recently blessed with the birth of a baby boy, and it was quite a shock. Having gone four for four with little girls, I figured we were going to get our fifth so we could have a girls' basketball team. Brian thinks we should have gone for nine girls so I could have a softball team. But He was born, and God gave us a baby boy. And as with each of our children, we talked about this some earlier when we were talking about these ideas of, of Christmas and hope, and that children sort of represent hope in our lives because we all realize whether we want to dwell on it or not, that our lives on this earth are, are finite. And that in having children, we have someone who will carry on. In the case of Erica and I, these, these biblical truths that we are trying to impart into them. And that we hope that after we are gone, our children will be able to impact this world with God's love in some way. And that is a legacy that we are creating. It's hope for the future. And Jesus, the hope there was, was so much greater. When I think of love and the love that we have as a family for our new addition and our other children. Jesus was a gift because of love. And Jesus came bringing peace. Our baby did not come bringing peace. And tomorrow, when we gather together on Christmas morning, we're going to look at, at joy. The birth of, of children bring joy into their families, but... Think of that we are all here 2,000 years later celebrating his birth. You know, my dad's here with us tonight. He was born on the 4th of July. He likes to say when he was a little boy and they would set off fireworks, he thought everyone was celebrating his birthday. <laughs> but we are all here celebrating Jesus' birthday, and there are believers all over the world 2,000 years after his birth who thank God for him, who give each other gifts in remembrance of the gift that God has given us, who will read these passages and reflect on what this day means. Because this blessing, the blessing of this baby, changed everything. The birth of Jesus Christ changed everything. Tonight we're going to read from John 1. 1 through 18. And I just want to pick out a few things from this passage that really stand out to me as we, we think about who Jesus is and what his birth means to us. So the Gospel of John starts out, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which in coming to the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. 
were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Such a unique presentation of Jesus becoming a man, of this birth that we are here to celebrate. I want to look at at three things, really three points of emphasis out of what John has said here in in the prologue to his prologue to his gospel. The first is that he presents Jesus right away as being God. The evidence that he provides is that he's calling Jesus the Word, that the Word was with God and the Word was God. He says it right in the beginning. This is who this person is, that he is God. Verse 2, that he was in the beginning with God. Not that there was ever a a beginning to who God is, but as we think of time and how we use time to mark things and understand things and that God has always existed in the the pre-creation, that there was an order of events and the things that happened and that Jesus was there for all of it. He was not created. He never came into being. That as long as God has been there, Jesus has been there. As the second person of the Godhead, he has always existed in the form of God. The further evidence that John gives there is he said that all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. What he's telling his readers is to look at the world around you, everything you see, he made. He is not to the original readers who would have believed in many gods, he's not a God. He is the God of the universe who created everything. This is this majestic, unimaginable revelation that God himself is who he's speaking of. And there he says that he is life. In verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of man. That presenting him as the author of life and the the one who sustains it. And it is interesting here, John uses, describes Jesus as the word. In Greek, logos, it, it is used in a lot of different ways. It can be used as sayings of God. It can also just be used of words. When we think of words, I think we should think in this case here, as John is using this, I am using my words to express to you that if we are having a conversation with each other and if we don't know each other, the way you get to know me is I express myself to you through my words. That God expressed himself to us through Jesus Christ. Very similar to a passage we looked at not too long ago, one of our Christmas sermons in Hebrews 1. 
says that God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir to all things, through whom he also made the world. This is how God has revealed himself to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. As the Word, he is God's expression to us. The second thing we look at, we look at the birth. John doesn't describe the birth. He doesn't tell us about Bethlehem or a donkey or a manger or any of those things. But he says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What a verse that is. And the word the word that created all things, the word that is in himself life, he became a man. And he doesn't just say he became a man. He uses the most basic thing to tell him that he became flesh. That what you can feel, what you are, he became. He didn't just look like a person. No, Jesus became flesh. God himself took on a body just like ours. What an amazing thing this is. And again, coming here tonight in this last year has been so dominated by our preparation for a baby and the the doctor's visits and the ultrasounds and the worrying and the praying and the anticipation. Jesus became a baby in the womb. And that just as our baby took, well, he was a little early, basically nine months to, to form and to grow and to be ready to live, so did Jesus. And on that first Christmas, he was born. He was revealed to the world in his fleshly form. John says there that after he says that he became flesh and that he dwelt among us, the word there for dwelt, in the Greek, is literally, he tabernacled. I've read something that said that, that maybe Jesus' birth was really in the fall because that was when the festival of tabernacles... The word really for dwelt or tabernacle, all it means is to really to, to pitch your tent. That if I was going to go camping somewhere for a while and I, I found a, a perfect place to do it, I'm saying, that's the place I'm going to tabernacle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my tent and camp up there. Jesus set his camp up with us. As we looked at last week, that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love. I look at our world and this, this sinful place that is so far from what Jesus created, and yet he chose to come and dwell among us, to pitch his tent in with us, to live a life here. And John says, and we saw his glory. John did see Jesus on the Mount of Transformation and the, the glorious state that he took on. John saw Jesus after the resurrection in his eternal body that is the first fruits of what we have to look forward to. But John also saw Jesus live a perfect life. He saw him love mankind perfectly. He saw him forgive, and he saw him, as he says here, that he was full of truth. Be 
truth. It says, John says there that he was full of grace and truth. He was literally the embodiment of grace and truth. That they are part of who he is and as God and his perfection, he lived those things out in a way that is it's not something we can even comprehend doing. Jesus became a man and John presents that clearly. And although he doesn't present us with any of the details as Matthew or Luke do, that wasn't his point. John was written to a Greek audience throughout the book. He has to explain Jewish traditions and give explanations of where things were. This was not written to people who were Jewish and who would have been looking for someone who was born of a virgin, who would have been looking for someone born in Bethlehem. John's point is, written to this Greek audience in a very Greek way, that he presents him as God and becoming a real physical man. And we think about Jesus' birth. John is giving us the big picture here, not, not the minute details, but this is what is extremely important. And it's important for our third point is that what did Jesus come to give us? I love verse 16. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. And grace is an undeserved merit. It's a gift that that you didn't deserve, that you could never earn. And that's what Jesus came to give us. Grace. Because of God's love for us, he offers us grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. The law that pointed to Israel and to all those that they shared it with, that they needed something else. That they could never earn their way to God. That was revealed through Moses and all of those generations and generations and generations lived under the law and constantly failed. And then Jesus was born. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ, John said. And at that moment of his birth, that promise that God had made all the way back in Genesis 3 of a solution to man's problem was revealed in the baby Jesus Christ. And it was God's grace. Grace upon grace. And through that grace, he came to offer life. Verses 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That through that grace that he came to reveal, that he offered to those who believed in him a new kind of life, a life as a child of God. Another one of my favorite passages, Romans 8, starting in verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what Jesus came to offer. That we no longer have to live like we are of this world, but we live like we are a child of God. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said that he came to give life, give it abundantly. This new kind of life, eternal life. John, throughout his book, equates believing with eternal life. 
it was God's grace that he knew we couldn't earn it. He knew there was nothing that we could do that he said, I have promised you a Messiah. This is your Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is offering you the gift of eternal life. If you believe in him for it, you will be a possessor of eternal life. You will have this new life. It's not just something we have to look forward to. As believers, it is something that we have. John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. He has eternal life. When you believe and you become a child of God, it is something you currently have. That the birth of Jesus is what has brought this to us and has changed everything. In that passage there, John says, But as many as received him, to them he became the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Receiving there is believing. That is how they received him. They believed in who he was. Unlike in the verses before, it says that the world didn't comprehend him, that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. For those who do, for those where the light comes on, say, God, I can't do it on my own. I can't earn my way to you. I need, and you believe in the promise of what he is offering. That when he died on that cross, and he was buried, and he rose again, that he was doing it to pay for our sins. And that is what his birth was all about. He was born to die. But when we do that, we receive him, and he gives us a new life. So the birth of a baby boy changed everything. We think of it in terms of of ourselves, of what his new life for us, I can think of myself, what it means to me, what where would I be without him, without God's grace, without his love, without this new life. But it, it did literally change everything. Go back to Romans 8. Paul says in verse 19, For the anxious longing of creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. But Jesus, in his perfect life and his death and his payment for sins, that in him even this creation will be returned to its perfect state. That his birth changed everything. And that is the hope that we live in as believers. Again, as we've looked at in, in Romans 5, the peace with God, that because of the life we have, we can have peace with God. Because of God's love for us. John 3, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved. God gave. And what we'll get to tomorrow morning, joy. That should provide joy like the world can't even understand or know. And that presents us with the question as we celebrate Christmas. Do we come to church on Christmas? Do we read the story from Luke because it's tradition? Or do we do it because this birth means everything to us? That this birth changed everything for the world and for me. 
that in John 11, then Jesus presents the question. John 11:25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? If, if Christmas is tradition and it's family and it's about Jesus, but it's not changed everything in your life, Jesus presents that question. Do you believe the promise of life that I'm offering to you? This is why I was born, to give life. Let's celebrate this undeserved gift. Heavenly Father, we can't ever thank you enough for the grace that you have poured out on us, that you sent your only begotten Son, and that he was humble and willing and took on the body of a man. He wasn't born as a king or a ruler, but in the most humble of circumstances. And that he lived that perfect life that I can't. And he died to pay for my sins. I thank you that as we celebrate Christmas, that we can know these things, and that we can celebrate them in the hope of Jesus' return, and that we will get to worship him for all eternity. Lord, for those that don't have that truth, God, we pray that you give us the boldness and the words to share it with all that we know, and that this Christmas can be just as joyous for them as it is for us. In Jesus' name we pray.